Hello and welcome to the Abuseful Game Podcast, your wise middle of the week football discussion show. I'm Alex Woodward, joined this week by Harry Dennis and Josh Westwood. Hello. Afternoon. Afternoon, hello. Or morning or evening, or whatever time you're listening Podcasts to Podcasts can be listened to at any time, that's why they're so good. Not a, especially this one. Not a great weekend <laughs> for the United Kingdom, but a great weekend of football. Wonderful weekend of football. Indeed. Um... You have, look, you have to feel sorry for James Newman, don't you? I mean, um, it is all my fault. Obviously. Because I, I, I mocked him on... I, I didn't, sorry, I didn't mock him. I, I mocked Cry Baby by Gemini on A Beautiful Pre-Game, which at the time was the only entry from the UK in Eurovision that had got zero points. I was like, I bet they were Cry Babies. Mm. Imagine getting zero points. <laughs> so it's all my fault. But, but the fact that the song was bad. But he reacted in the best he and did. British way possible, which is to stand up and shake beer all over the place he and did. get the fans yeah, yes. going. What did we make of the um, winner? What did we make was... of Italy? Ooh, I like I, it. I mean, I it was, it. it's, it's okay. Um, it's not Iceland. Iceland there, there was were... objectively better. Yes, and there were a couple was... of ones who got robbed, like uh, San Marino. Um, San Marino Norway. didn't get robbed. I oh, thought Norway yes. was robbed, actually. Yeah, that's fair. And my favourite, weirdly, was Portugal. I loved Portugal's. I was sitting there and thinking, do you know what would make this song even better? Is if there's a really good guitar solo in it. And then I, they panned across. I was like, wait a minute, where's he going? <laughs> there's a guitar there. <laughs> and I just went, <laughs> well played. The fact it was in black and white and on a small screen yeah. originally, I just thought, Graham Norton, you've nailed it with Paul McCartney and Wings there. That's a yeah. very good comparison. Yeah, uh, Iceland, Portugal, Italy's. Oh, Jesus. It, All German the means. Was, um, it was something. I'm not it, sure, it was, sure what that something was. It was but, audio. But, yes. You know the people who voted for it voted for it ironically. Who was the sorry? Oh, surely. Germany. Yes. Uh, Ukraine also had an interesting act. I was... <laughs> Ukraine's was different. <laughs> it was very well, Eurovision. I, I made the point to my mum my, my because she always goes, oh, it's all politics that the UK gets. No, no, it's not. Shut up. But I was like, at least the Ukraine song caught my attention. I couldn't take my eyes off it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did yeah. start ironically dancing around, which might become unironic at one point. Yeah. What, but... what I can say about the British entry is it sounds like a song that would pan over like a Love Island sort of yeah. sketch or yeah. like it, it was very sort of generic. Yeah. And if, uh, if yeah. you talk every song off Capital FM that they play in a day and merge them all into one song, you get that. that. Yeah. That's what that's what my um, sister said as well. I thought it was completely correct. Just mm. she just she just partly through went generic. That was Very it. generic. Yeah, well, but I do like the guy, so so good for him. Anyway, we'll start with our adequately difficult football question of the week, and the question is: Name the only Atletico player from this season who was a regular in their 2013-14 title-winning squad. Okay. Yes. Immediately. Oh. <laughs> Saul's not there. Oh no, actually, Saul is there. Saul wasn't there at the time. I don't know if it was he in the academy. I, I don't know, but yeah, it was Koke. He played in fifty-eight games. I want to say in Atletico's title-winning season last time out in twenty thirteen fourteen. And of course, he he's still there this time around. Um, Jose Jimenez, the defender, was also an Atletico player 
back then, but he was only 18 at the time, I think. He wasn't a first-team regular, so he doesn't count. But yeah, everyone else was not a, a member of that first-team squad. I think so must have been on that. Maybe if I was a ESL, was on the right of Arcano. Oh, can you imagine? I'd love, you'd love to see it. I have seen it. I, I, I've seen many images of that. Anyway, let's go into our games of the weekend then, and I'm going to start with the right answer, objectively. I'm going to go with Real Rider lead 1, Atletico Madrid 2. They love to make it difficult, but they they did it again. It, it, this was a repeat of the Osasuna game. I, and, you know, I knew that there was going to be a repeat of the Osasuna game. Even before the game started, I was like, I'm ready to experience pain and suffering once again. <laughs> but, I mean, you could make it a bit easier, lads. We'll get into the game later. We will get, of course, get into Atletico in, well, a few seconds. But we'll start um, with Josh, your game of the weekend. Uh, yeah, sure. So this, I suppose the game was uh, not uneventful, but it's what it means. So I'm going with uh, uh, Angers1Lil2, if that's how you pronounce Correct it. Correct answer. Yeah. Excellent. So this is the first time I believe Liverpool won the league in about 10 years is that right yeah um and I, all i want to say is potuccino doing potuccino things taking a psg side which should be comfortably winning this league and uh i want to say bottling but they've just not been doing the business this season have they um lil on the other hand absolutely fantastic if you look at you know the, the the comparison in net spend to PSG. You see they were fighting relegation a few years ago. It's a it's not quite a Leicester story, but it's it comes quite close. And it's lovely to see such a fantastic title fight this year in in League One. You know we don't we we always joke. You know it's a farmers league, and we we always have this sense of uh, EPL elitism as it were. But I think. Liga and has shown this season that you can get some real drama, you can get a a bit of an upset, and you can get some really exciting sort of storylines through through the season, which is nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. How are your game of the weekend? Well, Josh actually just stole mine, so obviously I hate him. This, um, this is why we have the sending in your picks and and claiming them before the show thing. Yeah, I would do that if I wasn't does. just writing essays constantly at the minute. That's fair. But I'm going to go with Leicester 2, Tottenham 4. Um, oh, a game four. which had six goals in, which is not really what you'd expect in most Premier League football games, except in this season where we seem to have scored a few too many goals. Um, lots and lots of drama. Uh, sadness for for Leicester City as they missed out on the Champions League on the final day for the second season running. Um, but also a good game for Tottenham in where uh, both Harry Kane and Gareth Bale scored. Uh, Gareth Bale... Uh, seeing off Tottenham with two goals uh, in the final 15 minutes of the game, I'm going to say, um, which is very good for him as he looks to bounce into the Euros uh, strong and uh, then, I think, straight out of his contract at Madrid as well. I don't like Bale, I'll be honest. Anyway, we'll go into La Liga then. We're going to start with the fixtures on Saturday and then go through to the fixtures on Sunday. Why? I don't know. I don't care. If you want to question it whatever anyway <laughs> feeling awfully aggressive today fire the lead one atletico madrid two and I, I think we all knew coming into this game that atletico were going to do it the hard way because it's not atletico madrid if if they don't if think back to last week when luis suarez said i knew, I knew atletico madrid were about suffering but i didn't know they were about this much suffering which is is a very apt way to describe atletico madrid 
They came out, they looked nervy to begin with in the first place, but not like they were going to, you know, drop the ball or anything. Just a bit nervous, which who can blame them. But then the 18th minute, Oscar Plano opening the scoring for Vida Lead, who needed this game themselves for any chance of survival, though, as we know now, they actually wouldn't have stayed up anyway, even if they had have won. So I guess that helps. I don't think it helps, to be honest. Atletico Madrid came out in the second half. You could tell Koke, by the way, really good job of, of you know, keeping everyone focused, keeping them engaged, keeping them from getting too downbeat. I've, I think he was, in that second half, absolutely vital. And you could almost hear the words of Simeone again echoing through the Atletico Madrid squad going, you know, strong heads, clear minds. If we get the first, the second will come. And that's exactly what happened. Dango Correa scoring first before a horrific back pass from... I can't remember who it was. I want to say Joaquin, but I don't. I don't even know if he played. I know I want to say that purely because I signed him on Depo, for Deportivo La Coruña. No, it wasn't. It was. Um, I think Yamik. I might be wrong. A horrific back pass though that just fell into the lap of Luis Suarez, who then had an easy one-on-one -on -one to convert against Massip in goals. My favourite part of that as well, when the back pass was was bungled, we'll say, and Suarez started to go through one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. Um, Marcus Juventus had his hands over his eyes. He, he, he didn't watch, knowing that this was the chance. Um, but you, you don't you don't bet against Luis Suarez. You should never bet against Luis Suarez. Hey, Barca. Hey, don't bet against Suarez. Hey, okay, good. Talking about that, he he was on the pitch afterwards in tears, um, looking at something on his phone. I'm guessing it was his family or something celebrating with him. But he was in tears. He he looked really emotional. He talked about that Barcelona moment after the game. He's not the most likeable character in football, but that, that humanity there, it was actually quite touching. And I think it further shows just how much... Uh, the, the divorce with Barcelona last year, how that really incensed him because it, it must have been ugly it must have been really truly ugly because his reaction afterwards and his being vindicated in his belief of himself um, was was there for all to see and yeah he scored as many goals this year in fact he's probably scored more goals this year now than Griezmann, Dembele and Brathwaite combined so great management there from Barcelona but a really, really good um, performance from Atletico Madrid in the end. They win their second league title in seven years, which is as many as Real Madrid. Or the Madrid Whites, you know. But Franchise Club Madrid, yes. Franchise Club Madrid, yes. And and the weird thing is actually, we, we mentioned it in our Adequately Difficult Question, they've done it with pretty much an entirely different squad as well. If you go back to the 2013-14 season, there's still about eight players from that Barcelona squad that year who were still at Barcelona and 10 players from Real Madrid who are still in the Real Madrid squad. Atletico have won. And and they've done it, as as mentioned, with with Llorente, with Suarez, they've done it almost with cast-offs from, from, the, from the bigger sides. And yet, they, through Simeone, who's been there now for 10 years and seen two built two different squads to be able to win the title. He's really been the driving factor there, and he deserves a lot of credit. It's been a wonderful job done by Simeone. Absolutely. Um, I think Simeone will look back at those two Champions League finals and be a little 
Um, he'll be desperately saddened, especially by that first in was it twenty fourteen? Yeah, that been. that last minute header from Ramos, he'll, he'll be gutted about that. But he can look back on a, on a decade with Atleti and be immensely proud of how he's got them. You know, regularly challenging the, the big two clubs in Spain. Mm. Uh, is it time for Simeone to no. to look elsewhere? No. Uh, because no, 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 no. I I understand that I, I I don't think he can probably do what he's done at Atleti anywhere else because the culture's uh, unique, the situation's quite right. But undoubtedly, perfectly. yeah, I agree, he does fit perfectly. Undoubtedly, though, he's one of the most naturally talented managers that could come into any side and take them from a a, a middling league side to to contenders because mm. he's just. He's got something very special. It is Simeone. worth pointing out as well that the year that Simeone took over, I think Atletico had finished. Oh, in fact, no, did he take over partway through a season? And they were like 18th from the league or something. But we we had the this, this Super League mm. earlier on in the year, which Atletico were originally a part of. And it, it's worth mentioning, for those who have only just started following football in the last few years, this is not Atletico. This is not what they've traditionally been. They've always been, you know... Yeah. Right, I guess. Definitely Madrid's second best side, but you know, not not title challenges on a yearly basis, not competing regularly in the latter stages of the Champions League, not one of the prime destinations for Spanish footballers and for people who want to play in Spanish football. This, this is very different. I mean, it's mostly down to Simeone. Mm-hmm. I, I've not seen one manager have such an effect on on a football club in, in, in that sort of time. The only... Because, like, you're you're looking at a complete club transformation, right? This is not... Yeah. I wouldn't even say Ferguson at Man United. I'm not saying he's better than Ferguson, but Man United were already one of the biggest clubs in England, maybe yeah. the biggest in England, and, and they remained that. Um, so that's not a complete club transformation. That's just doing the same thing but better. I would say, bar Don Revy at Leeds and Brian Clough at Derby and Nottingham Forest, I can't think of anyone. I, I think he pretty much stands out. With, with regards to Ferguson, um, th- th- he did dramatically change the club. However, he the, Matt Busby, I would say, did more Matt Busby, in terms yeah. of... In Bill terms Shankly, of, Liverpool. Yeah, in terms of actually fundamentally altering a, a football club. Mm, I, think Simi- I think Simeone ranks up with... with with, with Busby and, and Shankly in terms of just the pure effects of yeah. yeah absolutely yeah I'd completely agree with that so yeah really nice to see go win the league and they had a load of fans who had travelled down to Vida League despite the fact they couldn't get into the stadium and they all celebrated it was really really nice to see and yeah it, it's it's the ending we wanted to what has been a phenomenal La Liga season it, it's been really good I know we've had that incident with the um you know the three teams going i don't like this anymore but i'm a big fan of la liga and it was really nice to have have that sort of season let's talk about the teams who are not lifting the title who would have expected to lift the title at the start of the year we don't have to talk about their games because who cares griezmann scored a nice goal against Avar. that's all anyway Let's start with the Madrid Whites, who of course finished second. Anytime you finish second, you cannot exactly complain. And I think a lot of the a lot of the people I see in the Madrid media, you you have them who have their 
we'll say conspiracy theories about how the season panned out. But for the most part, they're like, we, we finished second in the league. We took it to the last day. I mean, you know, that's, that's good. And it was good. It was a good year for the Madrid Whites. A year in which at one point they went 18 games without defeat. Um, a year in which they made the last stages of the Champions League again, despite the fact they clearly hate it. A, a year in which they've, they've played perfectly good football and had really influential victories, very good victories. Granted, they lost to Alcoyano in the Copa del Rey. <laughs> but it, it has been a successful season. With that in mind, does Zidane and Ramos leave? Yes. Oh, okay, then let's move on. Barcelona that now. Do you want to... Yeah, no, I can expand on that. I mean, the reason why um, I see Zidane leaving is just the fact it seems like a constant battle to get the most out of that team. Mm. And although, you know, they've had some success this year, the minimum you'd expect from Real Madrid season on season is that they win either the league or the, uh, the Champions League. And the Madrid Whites have fallen short of both those targets. I mean, they, in the league... That they've been constantly chasing their closest neighbours, not rivals. I think you could call the Catalan Dragons um, or you know franchise club Barcelona. Their, their. Uh, I mean, they have also rivals. rivals with, with Atletico. It's called the Derby for a reason. Mm, but um, you know, their two closest rivals. They've been, they had been chasing for quite a bit of a year. Um, that eighteen game unbeaten, uh, eighteen game run of being unbeaten did definitely help them. Uh, take it to the final day, but for Zidane, it does. I've heard so much of constant internal battles within the club. Um, I was actually surprised to see Modric extend his deal for another year. I think that's partly out of his uh, long-term connection with the club. He's been there for quite a while. He wants to retire there. Yeah, he, I think he's that's de- retire at Real Madrid. I, I do time. think that's definitely part of it as well. There's problems, obviously. They've had uh, with overspending on players that really have not delivered. You look at Luka Jovic, uh, Ferland Mendy, he was brought in as a 60 million uh, euro replacement in the long term for Marcelo. And Marcelo's been the one they've turned to for quite a bit of the season, except when he was uh, on, I think it was vaccine call for something. Um, And it's just, there's this constant sort of negativity around the club with um, regards to just players who've got, infinite amounts of wages that they can't afford with the amount of debt they're in. Uh, I, I do admire the fact that they've taken the opportunity this season to rebuild uh, the Bernabeu um, as, you know, there's going to be no fans there. Um, but the club seems to be just simmering at the minute and it could boil over and hit breaking point. I think the uh, person in charge of the club, who I'm just not going to name my hate in that much, is definitely part of the problem. Uh, UEFA are investigating the Madrid Whites for their continued uh, involvement in the so-called Super League, um, and they're not backing down from it. And I think Zidane just needs to distance himself from it. The club's not in a great place at the minute, and I think he just needs to either take a break from football again and then come back, maybe when the the internal culture of the club has changed, or to go elsewhere for a bit. So if he does leave, where do you see him going? Like if you if he goes elsewhere, where do you see him going? I mean, I can see him uh, definitely taking a little break from management. He did that before and then came back after about six months because Madrid Whites were in such disarray that they begged him to come back. Um, I think Zebra, um, although they won't be in the Champions League as well, uh, by the looks of what's going on uh, with UEFA's investigation, um, would be 
a team that might look to bring him in. Um, I think as well, uh, Zidane could quite easily get into a national job. I don't think uh, Deschamps is going to move away from the French team anytime soon, but should he? I would have thought Zidane would be in pole position uh, to take over. Um, but to be honest, Zidane as a free agent, as a manager, is very appealing, I reckon, to a lot of clubs. Even if he takes a break, he could come in halfway through a season and take over. Um, he's clearly done wonders um, over the past few years for the Madrid Whites in, in securing their Champions League title. So, you know, should one of the big six in uh, the Premier League or in Germany as well um, falter halfway through next season, I, I could easily see him taking over. Right, and Ramos, his wage is too big. He's not useful enough. He's not playing enough. I, I don't see him saying at all. I think it'd be a massive mistake. I mean, he's been left out of the Euros for a reason. Anyway, and for the franchise club Barcelona, does Koeman stay? This is the weird one, because he came in um, right before the Euros. So he sort of cut himself off from the Netherlands' run into this uh, current Euros campaign. And obviously... Uh, with the World Cup only actually 18 months after the Euros, it was an interesting call to ditch your national club, uh, national side at such short notice. But then, um, you know, Franco's club Barcelona were knocking, and that's, you know, a club he played for, um, won titles with, and he's a, a, a bit of a club icon, I guess you could say. Not as much oh, as yeah, no, he absolutely pro- is a club legend. Yeah. He, not he's part same... of that dream... He's the main part of that dream team. Of course he's mm. a legend. Um, but... He's just struggled, and I think this is also partly to do with the the, the way um, franchise club Barcelona are sitting at the minute. They're not in the same sort of... It's sort of a different sort of struggle at the minute. They've also overspent on players. Their wage bill is enormous. Um, but they've got this different thing where they've got, you know, a, a franchise itself playing for them on their team. This is what the Madrid Whites don't have. They've got... Uh, franchise club Barcelona have Messi on the pitch, and he is... You know, a moving billboard. He advertises the club himself wherever he goes, and he brings in so much money. So I think they do have to work on making sure they can try and keep him for another season. But that means making promises and finding ways to recover as a club without bankrupting themselves even further, given they're meant to be in um, one million euro, uh, sorry, one billion euros worth of debt, um, and we don't know if that's increased over the past season. Um, we've already had confirmation coming through uh, from I think it's Fabrizio Romano that. Uh, Gigi Wijnaldum has signed a pre-contract agreement to join uh, uh, the franchise club Barcelona in the summer. Aguero supposedly is going to announce something in the next uh, week or so. Um, And also looking at signing uh, Memphis Depay on a free from uh, Lyon. I think there's one other player involved in a sort of a a four-way, you know, free agent uh, group coming into the into the club which would be very good for them but the problem is they've still got all these players that are, there's another way of putting it dead weights on their wage bill and they need Absolutely. to move on but everyone knows around Europe that this club needs to move these players on and they're demanding you know ridiculous amounts to try and you know break, break even yeah they'll, they'll, but, ne- they'll never get it they'll no never because get everybody it. knows how desperate they are for the money so they can just offer jokes you know joking amounts and unfortunately, I don't think they're going to accept those bids. But that means that the club is plunged into even more debt by that wage bill. It's just mm. they've been playing an unsustainable game of football for, I'm going to say, the best part of ten years. Same yeah. with the Madrid Whites, and it's come round to bite them in the in the rear in so the hard rear over the past two seasons. And I think this 
debt and the potential suspension out of uh, the Champions League, I'm assuming that also means to all other Loss uh, of revenue, European, yeah. European competitions as well, it could really sink the ships here, the two Spanish giants. It really could, I, I agree. Um, some of the business they've been doing, like you say, uh, Wijnaldum, I believe Fabrizio Romano has given a here we go to that one, along with Aguero. Um, some of their business, you could say it's shrewd, and some of them could, you know, a, a, a decent free agent additions to the squads. However, it just advertises to everyone in Europe that Barcelona cannot spend any money. They cannot spend any money, and... As a consequence, if you're trying, like Harry says, to offload players, you, you, people will give you silly money for them. You know, as in, you know, you want how much, you know, we'll give you half because you desperately need the money. They don't accept it. Your wage bill goes up. Where does this end, guys, for, for Barcelona? Where does this all go? Because it doesn't look good. I'll admit, if they don't have a rapid turnaround of results, and manage to keep a couple of key players in their prime, um, I could quite easily see this as a, not a long-term bankruptcy, but definitely a short-term bankruptcy at the club, where they're just going to have to find a new way of life if they want to rebuild, and it will take a decade to get back to where they were. I just think the unsustainable way they've been operating is just... It, it's just got to the point now where it's make or break in the next couple of seasons. If the guys they're bringing in um, on, on these threes do well for them, which they should. They're all good players. That's really good news for them because they'll get in the, the income of winning the league uh, and so on. But, you know, if UEFA really brings in very harsh punishments to do with, um, you know, uh, European competitions, who knows what the Spanish FA might do. Um, it, it really could go south for them very quickly. I've, I've not gonna you know say this is the last we'll see of Barcelona they're gonna be bankrupt in five years time and not exist as a club because they will exist because they have the fan base to pull them through but I do expect a real change of the guard a real change of the outlook of the club uh, to occur because it just has to um, there's no way around it and it was quite surprising with Barcelona this year how willing they were to accept this season as, as a transition like, uh, we know we're not going to win the league this year. So, year of transition, we're going to have to, like, change the club over and, and get... Re re you've got Messi up front. You've got Messi. You've got Griezmann. You've got Fatty. You've got you've got loads of fantastic players. What are you on about transitional season? If... if I, I think if it hadn't been so defeatist from the start, then they they probably would have been in the, in the, in the title race for that first part of the season, if you remember how catastrophic they were to begin the season, then if, if they didn't have that, they would have still been in the title race by the end. If if you think that the Madrid Whites and Francesco Barcelona are, are feeling bad, then you probably are not looking at the bottom of the table where they're feeling much worse. Huesca nil, Valencia nil. Huesca had about 23 shots in this game. They had lots of chances, but they, they weren't clinical. They never had that. Real good chance. I think I think um, Rafa Mir hit the bar at one point, and they might have had a, a goal disallowed. But for the most part, they they didn't deserve to get three points in this game, and it meant they were vulnerable to anything below them. And Altre the Athletic Club two nil. By the way, Vidal had relegated. We didn't mention that with the Atletico Madrid game, but Altre two Athletic Club nil. Lucas Boyer scoring the first. He's been really good. Real great turnaround of form recently. 
for for Alche, and then a great goal for Malguti in the 75th minute or so to ensure that Alche would be safe. Absolutely going to have a look at that if you can. Um, it means that Huesca are relegated. They go straight back to the second division alongside Vidalid and Abar. But two clubs stay up in Alche and Cadiz, who were promoted last year, which you love to see. You love to see that sort of um, stability. And in, in a time when the gap between the top flight and second tiers in, in most countries is getting wider, it's nice to see that there are clubs who are able to stay up. And we'll get on to that later with the Bundesliga. For the race for Europe, Osasuna nil, Real Sociedad 1. Alexander Izak scoring the only goal of the game in the 86th minute. Quite fortunate. Um, had a strike hit the bar, come back out and then bounce off the keeper. But it was credited to him, so getting that. And it means that Lariel are in the Europa League. Imanol, after the game speaking, said that it was the they sort of feel like champions because they knew the, the top four were never going to be able to be reached and therefore they feel like the best of the rest and that... It's been a it it's been an impressive season and it has it has it, they've won the Copa del Rey. Granted, it was last season's Copa del Rey, and they've finished fifth in the league, which is definitely very good for them. But I would disagree with the idea that they couldn't have caught up to Sevilla. I mean, come on, Thurman again, you know, it's um, Julian Lopetegui, so. Maybe. Salto Vigo 2, Real Betis 3. Salto went 2 0 up originally. Iago Aspas, who I'll begin on to later, and Bryce Mendes scoring for them. But Borja Inglésias getting one back from the penalty spot before a Nabil Fakir wonderful free kick. Definitely my goal of the weekend. Look it up if you can. Really pressed up against the edge of the box, but he still managed to get it over the wall and into the top corner. Really good. And then Victor Ruiz scoring in the 73rd minute. Christian Tello was sent off in the 76th, but. Real Betis were able to hold on. They get the second Europa League spot. Congratulations to them. Championship playoffs then. There were obviously the second legs of the games from last week. And we'll start with Brentford 3, Bournemouth 1, Karma. Karma is the only word I have because Bournemouth played this game shockingly. And when Ivan Tony scored from the penalty spot, Azmir Begovic, who really should be banned for at least five games, deliberately rugby tackled him to the floor. It was vile, it was aggressive, it was the sort of nonsense that I want eliminated from football for good. I, I, This is me in my karma state, by the way, because I was absolutely seething at the time. I knew right then and there that Bournemouth did not deserve to get through to the playoff final, and they didn't, which, thank the Lord, they had an atrocious game. They had an atrocious game plan. I think they wanted to park the bus from the first minute, but I was never going to work against Brentford. They did have that goal early on because Brentford were a, a bit too gung-ho going forward. But after that, Brentford were by far the better side and they deserved their place in the playoff final. Absolutely. Um, the Begovic incident was just bizarre for me. I've never seen anything yeah. quite like it. Chris Metham afterwards sent off for a, a deliberate pull of... It might have been so. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but through one on one with the keeper, just pulled him to the ground. Absolutely a red card as well. I, I, I personally think the Azmir Begovic incident should have also been a red card. I think any any time you deliberately just bring a player down to prevent the ball from you know going back to the halfway line faster, or, or just to prevent them from going forward, it should be a straight red automatically because it it's just a deliberate foul. I hate them. I think it's bad for football. I think it's bad for. Making the game more entertaining, I absolutely hate it with a passion. Please make that a straight red card going forward. Vitaly Yano and Marcus Force getting the other goals for Brentford. But 
Brentford have had a bit of a reputation recently in, in the last few years for how they approach the playoffs and finally it seems like they're coming through where they're pulling through and they've got a playoff final against Swansea because Swansea drew one all against Barnsley at the Liberty Stadium. That was enough to get them into the playoff final after their 1-0 win last time out. And Matt Grimes getting the goal for Swansea and Corley Woodrow equalising for Barnsley. Barnsley were the better side for the most part in this game, but they, again, finishing, they, they couldn't do it. And it's a shame for them, but Swansea, over the two legs for me, deserved to be in the playoff final. So, Swansea-Barnsley in the playoff final this Saturday at 3 o'clock. Absolutely go and watch it, because it is... One of the best games in football. Okay, let's go into the Bundesliga then. The battle for relegation was still waging in the Bundesliga going into match day 34. And let's start with the game between Stuttgart and Armenia Bielefeld, which Bielefeld needed to win to secure their status in the Bundesliga next year. And they did, winning 2-0 away at Stuttgart. Fabian Close scoring from a penalty spot in the 66th minute. Ritsu Doan, who has been phenomenal for Armenia Bielefeld this year. Is he on loan from Leverkusen, I want to say? Scoring in the 72nd minute to get them the win and to keep them in the Bundesliga. They absolutely deserved it. Stuttgart were on the beach anyway, but seriously. I know Ortega's a good keeper, but no shots on target. Like, at least try and aim it at the goal. I know he's probably going to save it because it's Stefan Ortega, but still, just do anything. And, yeah, we I, I really did want Armenia Bielefeld to stay up. Of course, with these two sides being the sides that were promoted from the Spider Bundesliga last year, it means that both promoted sides stay up. I, I really wanted Bielefeld to stay up, and, and it's really nice to see them back. And I will just say, the Bundesliga commentator... When the full-time whistle went, said, Armenia Bielefeld can go home tonight and celebrate in Bielefeld. I'm on to you. I know your game. He's in on it. He's in on it. He's in on the conspiracy, I can guarantee. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on then to the next game. Köln against Schalke. Now, Köln knew they needed to win with results going their way to have any chance of surviving. With Armini Bielefeld beating Stuttgart, they couldn't stay fully safe, but they did win 1-0 against Schalke. They had a goal disallowed early on in the game, but Sebastian Bornau scoring the 86th minute was enough to get them three points. Again, they were the much better side. Schalke didn't really challenge for the most part, but... It meant that Werder Bremen needed a win to get into relegation playoff at least, where they were last year with Kiln winning, and they could not manage it. They lost 4-2 to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Mönchengladbach went 4-0 up last, Stindl, Marcus Turam, and Ben Sabaini and Neuhaus scoring for them. Werder did get goals back late on, Rashika in the 80th minute, full Krug in the 83rd minute, but they still needed three goals to stay up. What it means is Werder are relegated to the Spider Bundesliga. It's the first time they've been out of the top flight for 40 years. They're one of the real blue chip clubs in the Bundesliga who have been there for so long, who have meant so much. They're one of four teams in the 7,500 points club, along with Stuttgart, Dortmund and Bayern Munich. And it's going to be really weird not seeing them in the Bundesliga, but they've not been good enough. And the decision entering this game to sack... And Coy felt for Thomas Schaaf, they did it far too late. They kept dilly-dallying on whether they wanted to keep Coy Fout as manager, and that is what's killed them. The recruitment, yeah, the recruitment's been bad, but they 
they just seemed so indecisive. He should have been sacked with about five or six games to go. I don't know why he wasn't. It's really confusing, but that's what's cost Werder Bremen their place in the Bundesliga. And it means, though, that we've got a great fight to Bundesliga next year. We'll get into that two of these fighters later on. But Werder Bremen are there, Hamburg are there, obviously St. Pauli are there, um, Schalke are there. Uh, you've got a load of big clubs, unfortunately, Hans of Ostock are there. Great. You've got a lot of big clubs, though, in this fight next year, and there are going to be really good, really interesting derbies. So, BT Sport better keep showing matches, even though they've not got the Monday game anymore, which is what they usually broadcast from this fighter. Anyway, battle for Europe next. Union Berlin 2, Leipzig 1. They knew they needed to win because Mönchengladbach had beaten Werder Bremen. It means Union Berlin are in Europe. Oh my god. It's so exciting. Fans were back in the stadium in the stadium and at Drive for the first time this season. They finally got to see Union play in what has been a spectacular season. Granted, it didn't start off great. Um, Andres Luter, really bad decision in the goals um, to give Leipzig their only goal of the game. I think it was Kloiver who scored. But he did redeem himself later on. There, were, there was a 20-second stretch where he made three phenomenal saves. And then he made another vital save later. Weirdly enough, despite the fact he was entirely responsible for that goal, he was by far my man of the match because he was he was absolutely sensational. And Friedrich, with a fantastic volley to level, if you saw Robert Lewandowski do that, you'd be like, yeah, that's really good by Robert Lewandowski's standards, but he's a centre-back. And he, and he still managed to score this wonder goal. And then Max Kruser, in the 92nd minute, he sent Union Berlin to Europe. They've, they're new to the Bundesliga. They're in their second year, but... They're going to Europe, and after just surviving last year, after being in a relegation scrap for most of the season, this year they get to go to Europe, and I I love them. I absolutely love them. Let's move on. Bayern Munich 5, Augsburg 2. Um, Flick, Alaba, Broting and Martinez were all saying goodbyes to the club. Um, Alaba, Broting and Martinez have played combined more than a 1,000 games for Bayern Munich, so this was a big day for them. Um, Hansi Flick, obviously, we'll, we'll get into the news with him later on, but this was his last game in charge of Bayern Munich as well. Lewandowski had so many chances to score, but he did finally break the record for most Bundesliga goals in a season in the 92nd minute. And they, they usually play that, um, is it Mozart song, to to celebrate when they score, but when Lewandowski got his 41st, they played Rocky, the, the Rocky theme, <laughs> which was quite funny. Um, Joshua Kimmich, by the way, scoring a great goal as well in that game, but for the most part, Lewandowski, goal number 41 breaks Gerd Muller's record for most goals in a Bundesliga season, which was just seen as being completely unbreakable. And and yet, of course, Lewandowski can do it because he's Robert Lewandowski. So many congratulations to him. Moving on, Hansi Flick has been made the German national team manager. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, and Rock. we're all surprised. What? You shock me. Really this good is... appointment, though. I mean, yeah, it's... It just all feels very efficient, and I suppose it adds to the the sensation I get of German football is very much conveyor belt. Um, if someone moves on towards the German national team, and yes, it is a fantastic fit, then the replacement was just as obvious as as that was, wasn't it? Really, it was all very uh, neat and tidy. It was, it was obvious though, because you know most managers wouldn't turn down. Would, wouldn't accept the German national team job when they're at Bayern. 
No, admittedly, but I, I suppose once that was going through, yeah, it, the that's the, fair. the mechanism was 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 there. Going into the other games quickly in the Bundesliga, that I want to talk about first of all Wolfsburg two minds three. The only reason I really mention this is, and excuse me, I'm just gonna have to move backwards. Voot Veghorst is in the Euros! Yes! He's done it. He's going to um he's gonna be in the Dutch national team squad for the Euros. And I'm I'm supporting the Netherlands now. I, I want them to win it. I want Voot Veghorst to score a halfway line overhead kick in the ninety-fourth minute of the final to win one nil against, I don't know, uh, Austria, we'll say. Yeah, sure. And win the Orvels for the Netherlands because that would be beautiful great finish by Victor by the way for two all and a wonderful season for Mines. congratulations the only side who have been on seven points of a halfway stage of a season who have then gone on to survive really was the great escape and Bo Svensson has to be manager of the year by my book which you will be able to read about soon on my website when I do my Bundesliga rewards plug anyway Hoffenheim 2 hair to Berlin 1 and the only reason to mention this Sammy Kadira has retired from football after this game he got a guard of honour going off the pitch and his hair to teammates all wore and um, when he was coming off they were all wearing shirts that he's worn in the past so a few of them had Juventus tops on a few of them had Real Madrid tops on a few of them had Stuttgart shirts on so that was just really nice it's clearly very well organized by Hertha Berlin which is the first thing they've organized well this year so many congratulations though to Sam Kadeva and in a year that has been so bad for Hertha Berlin honestly surviving is just good enough so well done to them well done to Paul Dardai who's who's really done a good job since coming in Dortmund 3 by Leverkusen 1 Lucas Piszczek and the Bender twins both um overtiming at the end of this game and um, Piszczek got a guard of honor the weird part was, is I'm going to get my benders mixed up again, but um, Lars came on for Sven, or Sven came on for Lars. Do you know, I honestly can't uh, remember. Lars came on for Sven, because Lars, Lars came on for Sven, and he scored a penalty against uh, Roman Berkey, and Berkey actually went up and just congratulated him for it, which I've never seen before, um, but... Well, apparently he just yeah. stood there and said, just kick it anyway, I'm going to stand still. And let you score this. One. That looks like that's what happened. Yeah, um, but wonderful game for the most part. Erling Haaland scoring twice in this game. Who has won Bundesliga Fans Player of the Year? What? You do know there's um there's this guy right in 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 Munich called Robert. He's broken this record but from a guy called Gerd. I feel yeah. like. The average fan, the casual fan, almost doesn't care about that in a way. I feel like in the the age we're in, uh, Harland is a lot more sort of. If you're looking at the the FIFA playing kids, my my, my brother's ten years younger than me, that sort of age, mm. you know, the twelves, the thirteens, they're, they're interested in what they do on FIFA, how good their card is, what what you know, TikToks or YouTube's. This is why I hate meme, children. What their meme potential is, you know, meme what what's what's trending on football Twitter, and Harland is a lot more marketable in that respect than Levin Dosky. I think so, it's just a troll you know, Bayern. Fair enough. <laughs> I think it's just to annoy Bayern Munich. I think that's it. Um, because if you think about it, most of the voters would have been... It wouldn't have been mostly children. It would have been... Well, there would have been children voting, but would have also been quite a few adults. And I think a lot of them just wanted to troll Bayern. Yeah, give it Erling Braut Harland. If you're going to do that, give it Florian Niederlechner. 
big up to Florian Niederlach in a bad way. Give it to Vukbeck horse, he deserves it. But yeah, I think I I personally think it was just a troll by and well done though to Erling Brat Harland, who did put a lovely post up on Twitter about it, but surely in his heart of hearts I know like he's a competitor and he's got to think he's the best every day, but I mean that guy scored forty one goals in twenty nine games. So I mean it's obviously he obviously did better uh, the scoring football goals thing. So I, I, I would probably guess he knows that. Not undeserved, but he's like solid second place this season. Won't be for much longer, though, I, I would expect. Anyway, speaking of, of Erling Haaland, he had a shirt swap at the end of the game with the referee, Manuel Greif, who is retiring. And by the way, he's been a phenomenal referee in the Bundesliga over the last, I think he's been there for 17 years now. But Manuel Greif asked for Erling Haaland's shirt as at the end of the game as a little leaving present, I guess. And I've never seen this before. He got a guard of honour. The referee got a guard of honour. Uh, I mean, he took that's his, what all referees should get. He took the, his... Um, oh, sorry. If referees do a good job, which obviously he has done for many years Yeah, he's now, been he's been brilliant. That's, they, dem- they just command the respect of the players, and that's mm. so evident in that game. Yeah, Erling Haaland gave him his shirt, and then he, um, the ref took his shirt off Manuel Greifer, and he had a um, Danka shirt on with, um, I think it was pictures of his family, and, and he walked off with his family. Both teams gave him a guard of honour. It was really nice to see. It was really... It was really emotional, and that's why the Bundesliga is just better. Because I can't imagine that happening in any other league, I'll be honest. Can you imagine that happening in the Premier League? Because, well, Premier League refs don't deserve it, but I can't. Anyway, let's go into League 1 then, and let's start with the obvious game. Um, Lorient 1, Strasbourg 1, both sides now. Um, Angers 1, Lille 2. They've done it. Lille have won the league title. It wasn't as nervy as that for the most part. Um, Angers goal coming in the 90th minute, 92nd minute, something like that. Um, but Jonathan David and Yilmaz scoring for Lille. And and they've won the title and they've deserved it. It would have felt like, a, not a robbery, but it would have felt wrong had they somehow stepped up on the final day, would it not? It would have felt um... inevitable. <laughs> I just I would have sat there going, <sighs> typical, typical. We're not allowed nice things, and that would have probably been it. But thank the Lord, eh? It just it makes French football a little bit more not enjoyable, but you want oh, to watch it more if you think there's going to be I'll a be bit honest, more surprise. Ligue 1 was the best league in the world this year, quite comfortably. It was phenomenal. You had that really deep title race, which has only really narrowed to Lille PSG in the last couple of weeks. Um, the relegation battle went from 18th to 12th, even going into the last day of the season, which is also fantastic. And it was really dramatic as well. And yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought I thought it was um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic this year. Credit to to Ligue 1 for for putting on a good year. And by the way. Probably because it's the first time I've really noticed it, but that Lee Gun theme is super catchy. Anyway, let's move on. Nantes won Montpellier 2, and that result meant that Nantes are going to be in the relegation playoff, where I believe they're taking on Toulouse, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it's Toulouse, which is going to be interesting, Um, but we'll see what happens in... uh... 
Ligue 2 next season. A couple of other teams who've been sitting down there for a while now. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And best of luck to both sides. Nantes finished the season with winning four of their last five games and it still wasn't enough because of where they'd been before. And the other games for the relegation battle, by the way, Brest nil, PSG 2, Lorient 1, Strasbourg 1 and Reims 1, Bordeaux 2. A really good end to the season relegation-wise. It was really dramatic the last day. And, yeah, good way to cap off a great season in Ligue 1. Let's quickly go into the fight of Bundesliga. Bochum 3, Sandhausen 1 meant that Bochum won the title. It, it wasn't really close all day. They were by far the better side. Bochum back in the Bundesliga for the first time in 10 years. And, you know, really big side in German football. A sleeping giant. And you could tell um, after the game, if there were loads of people taking videos of, of Bochum and Town Centre... And all the people there with their Bokum flags and, and cheering and chanting and celebrating. And you could tell just how much it meant and it was really nice to see. Let's talk about the exact opposite of that. They had to win one of their last two games. That was it. That was it. Didn't do it last week. This time. Holstein killed two, Darmstadt three. They would have been rookies in the Bundesliga had they been promoted. But they couldn't do it, and Darmstadt comfortably outclassed them for pretty much most of the game. They they bottled it, they lost their nerve, they choked. They are going into yeah. a promotion playoff game against Köln, and the first game was yesterday, we haven't seen it yet, but you will have. The second game is on Saturday between the Championship Playoff Final and the Champions League Final, so have a look at that. It will be, it'll be really good, it'll be really interesting, both games will be. Um... The, the Bundesliga playoff is always really, really exciting. But I, I don't see them doing it. I, I This is not me trying to jinx them. I They've lost two games in absolutely devastating fashion to end the season against a Köln side who are coming in with form, with confidence. I, I don't see how they win this. I, I don't see how they do it. That's going to be a massive confidence just drain isn't mm. it if you say you need three points from two games yeah and you've lost in that fashion not once but twice and then and you're so like, let's go again come on yeah you know let's this clutch situation no not a chance and, and what a way to end the season yeah you, you partly feel desperately sorry and you partly feel well well if you can't do it you've bottled it then do you really deserve to be promoted well mm. perhaps not yeah, absolutely. And it was the way they lost as well because both games were just so convincing in, in defeat for Kiel. It, it wasn't good enough. Um, going to first, though, are the team we get to celebrate instead. They beat Dusseldorf 3-2 and they're promoted to the Bundesliga for the second time in their history. They've only had one year in the top flight before. That was in 2012-13. They get to go back. So it, it, you you at least get Greuther Firth celebrating and they put in a good um, performance against Dusseldorf. They were down to 10 men for most of that game as well. And they still managed to pull back to win because, you know, they can actually handle pressure. And, yeah, fantastic for them. Congratulations to Bochum and Greuther Firth, who will be in the Bundesliga next year. Joined by either Kuhn returning or Holstein Kiel, if they can pull their act together for once. In the relegation battle, meanwhile, Hamburger 4, Eintracht Braunschweig, Neil Braunschweig are relegated straight back to the Dreiliga. Ezebergi Au 2, Osnabrück 1. They're going to be in, Osnabrück are going to be in the relegation playoff game. It's Osnabrück against Ingolstadt in the Fighter Bundesliga game. Um, Ingolstadt, by the way, a former Bundesliga side. Um, they're called FC Ingolstadt 04. What's the 04 mean? 
I couldn't tell you, and I don't it, understand why what? so many continental clubs have weird it's numbers just, in the name. Year, year of founding, 1904. Well, you, you're correct in year of founding, but they were founded in 2004. And they've already been in the Bundes... They were in the Bundesliga in 2011. Christ. I don't, how? <laughs> um, they've fallen back since, but they have the chance to get back into this fighter in wow, the Spider Wonder uh, League promotion game. Yeah. That's a pro gamer move. That I is, genuinely it? thought it was nineteen oh four. That that's why though, that's why they have numbers in my name, because it represents the year they were founded in. So it'd be like having Leeds United nineteen. Which uh, is, is weird, isn't which it? Which does sound like the nineteenth attempt. Yeah. As opposed to the second attempt. But <laughs> um yeah. It was only when I was looking on their football manager profile, because I've been managing with eighteen sixty Munich, where I went, wait, two thousand and four? Well, they've been a Bundesliga side. Yeah. Um, oh, no, was it 2011 or was it 2015? I think it was 2015 now, now that I've said that out loud. That sounds more correct. Yeah, 2015. Anyway, let's go into the Premier League then to round off the show. Leicester bottled it. Leicester bottled it. Ooh, I'm sad Leicester, about Leicester. it. I'm sad about it, but I can't be too sad. That's all I can say. Because they handed you your... Um, behinds on a plate in the oh, yeah, final. Yeah. It was the who could bottle harder contest and Leicester <laughs> won. Well, it was, it's bizarre. It, was, it just feels... I, I don't know the stats, admittedly. I'm, I'm sure one of you guys can help me with it, but they've been in the top four for how many days of, was, of the season yeah, over the last two years? Yeah, it was six weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they've been in the top four for a, a remarkable amount of time and both seasons, this season, last season, they finished fifth. Uh, it's not it's not a bad season. They've won the FA Cup. They've they've performed remarkably mm. well. Yeah. But and and uh, admittedly, I'm slightly bitter against Leicester because they are just so well run and they have such good owners. And you know you can't help but have a liking for them. But it, it surely it's disappointing. It has to be disappointing, even though it's a, a Leicester side that you know if you'd told them ten years ago they'd be disappointed about missing out on Champions League, then. And finishing fifth, they'd have laughed at you. If you told them that not... twelve years ago, they would have probably called yeah. up an ambulance or something. That's yes. true. I mean, it is heartbreaking for them. I remember actually, I, just, I did see something. They were the longest-lasting team in the top four all season, and I have a funny feeling the one game week they weren't in the top four was game week thirty-eight, having lost to Tottenham. No. I think they dropped out at one point because I'm pretty sure it said 36 or 38 weeks. Okay. I might be wrong. But yeah, they were the longest lasting team in the top four out of all the clubs that have been in the top four this season. And it, yeah, it is just heartbreak with two seasons on a bounce. They've missed out by, you know, I think it's one point or is it goal difference? It's, it's something terrible. I think it's one point, um, which is tragic. I mean, I... I did have a sneaky suspicion Liverpool would drag themselves back into form at some point, um, and annoyingly they got into Europe ahead of Leicester. But I, I can't complain because I was worried that we would slip up against Aston Villa, who would just want to just try and make our afternoon miserable, and we did slip up, and that's really good. And then we at least we got fourth, um, which is I'm, I'm happy with that. Are there any other games of the Premier League anyone wants to talk about? I don't think so. Um, 
obviously we've got the season reviews coming up which yeah. obviously guys go and check out uh sportsblitz.wordpress.com for, no. for those just say the sports blitz if you if you uh, google the sports blitz it actually just comes up nice okay yeah um so go and check that out but other than that it's it's been a, an interesting season oh, it's also, not um, sorry, yeah go before, for you, before you carry on <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah carry on sorry <laughs> um but no, it, it's it's not quite been the season of, of, of France or um, Spain's been quite interesting actually this year. But it's it's been a good Premier League. Season. I, I've been disappointed by it. And any season where all of the fun stuff ends like five games before the end of the season is is not good by my book. It's been better than some. Though. I know. I know I'm a Debbie uh, Downer, but yes, like I just didn't enjoy it. Probably because there were no fans, so I've not really enjoyed much football. But just imagine a packed Ellen Road next year, and yeah. it'll get all your woes away. And since we've got nothing else to to talk about, I do want to close on Leeds three West Brom one because we had the moment Pablo Hernandez and Gatana Baradi leaving the club at the end of the year. They were subbed off, and that was really emotional. That was really, really emotional, really nice to see. To have them be able to leave head held high with an Elland Road that was making a lot more noise than, you know, the number of fans would have suggested, but they're Leeds fans, of course, they're loud. Um, no, me. And, <laughs> yeah, it was really, really lovely to see. Your heart melted watching them go off. Um, there was a moment after, later on where... Pablo Hernandez's name was being chanted and he was in tears in, in the stand listening to, to the Leeds fans chant his name one last time. Hopefully we'll get to see him back at Elland Road one day in front of a, a fuller Elland Road. I, I would love a friendly against Castellon at Elland Road at one point, which is where he's going to be going. Um, Fair enough. That'd be so um, nice to have. Pablo Hernandez, the only Leeds player in history to win the player of the year um, back to back to back. Only fair to ever do it. And, you know, the Player of the Year award obviously stretches back to the very days. So, that is actually quite big. But, yeah. And Gaetano Berardi, probably my favourite Leeds player for the last five years. Even with the players I've added since, I've always loved Gaetano Berardi. He is phenomenal. Um, despite the fact that he, he didn't start so well, he was playing for Dave Hockaday's Leeds in his debut against Accrington in the League Cup and got sent off for Kung Fu kicking a player in the face. Which, well, that's nice. You know, dedicated. Dedicated. But no, he has he has genuinely been my favourite player. He's been so committed to the club, willing to do anything, so passionate for the club as well, and he, he deserved that wonderful send-off as well. And on that note, it's time to end the episode. Thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. And we will be back this weekend, a beautiful pre-game, kicking off on University Radio York, Saturday 2 through 3, and then we've got the what will most likely be the playoff final special, um, because we are on the air with a beautiful game, 3 through 5, during the playoff final. We hope to see you then, but until then, goodbye.